0: got to get away, start again, find a brand new day. So much for me to find, but I've got to go outside.
1: Hello van fans, welcome to another episode of VFF's Van Life Podcast. It's the final episode of season one, everybody. Wow, I have got that holiday feeling. I'm so excited already though for season two. There is so much coming up, which I will tell you about in a minute. And it's a beautiful, windy day here in Cornwall. So, what can I say? It's the end of the season. What an awesome time I've had recording this and speaking to some amazing guests. I'd like to know what you out there thought about this first season, so please do email me at vffspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or ideas. I will be back in September for season two with some incredible guests, some really great Products I'll be talking about, and also some really exciting van life event coverage as well coming up. So, so much coming up on season two. I'm so excited. If you have time, please can you rate VFF's Van Life podcast five stars on iTunes? At the moment, there's just one review from me pretending to be a fan, saying how good it is. So. It would be nice if it had some legitimate reviews as well. (laughs) I probably shouldn't admit that, but at the end of the day, I like to be honest. So that's my truth. Okay, so this episode is dedicated to all of the amazing people that I've spoken to over the last nine months. I've had some awesome interviews. I've learned so much so what I've done is I've collected my favourite moments from all of the interviews I've done and all of the podcast episodes and I've made a best of for you. We, so we go from where it started to my first interview, talking to Jodie, going to Bulgaria the people that have given me loads of really good advice and the highlights the amazing coincidences and lucky things that have happened to guests um on the podcast we talk about pets, we talk about micro campers, all sorts of things coming up, so I, I hope you enjoy this episode. I never really listen to an episode once it's gone out because I'm usually on to the next thing, so it's been so cool to sit down and listen back to all the different experiences that I've had. Honestly, having a van and spending so much time in it and being immersed in the world of van life I have to say, has been probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life. I'm crazy about van life. I just cannot wait to keep growing this community and this podcast and bringing you content that you want to hear. So, really delighted. I will be updating my Instagram throughout the summer. So if you would like to follow the VFFs Van Life Podcast Instagram, you can just search VFFs on Instagram and it'll come up straight away. So please do give me a follow on there for good van life content. As I said, I will be back in September and I cannot wait for you to hear what's coming up. Enjoy your summer, have an amazing time go out there and explore have an awesome time and then get in touch with me and we can talk about it so without further ado here is the best of season one episode <laughs> So, where better to start than the very beginning of VFFs? Here is a clip from the very first episode I ever did. As you'll hear, I was a little bit
0: nervous.
1: My name is Kat. I'm sat in my camper van right now, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this very first episode. During the pandemic, I was looking on eBay, and I fell in love with this big old camper van it's a 1993 Renault traffic it's a high top camper and on the spur of the moment I just decided to sell Debbie and to buy this other camper I didn't even see it first I just said yeah I'll take it so after buying my new van I decided to join some online van life groups. I'd never really used social media before and I was amazed to suddenly have access to all these people that shared my love of travel and vans. I wanted so much to talk to these awesome people and to hear about their life stories. I also thought to myself... Maybe if I had an excuse to interview and connect with other van dwellers, it would help me with my own anxieties around travelling alone in a van and it would force me out of my comfort zone and to do something that scares me. Even with all my experience travelling, I still do get really scared about travelling alone in my camper van at night. It's just really easy to get freaked out when you're on your own in the middle of nowhere and it's dark and your imagination kind of runs wild, so... I noticed that a lot of other women had posted online about having similar anxious feelings about starting van life. So I wanted to do something that would prove to those people and to myself that if we face our fears and challenge ourselves, we can achieve whatever we want to do and it's not as scary as we thought it would be. Right then, so I'm... 10 minutes away from my first interview <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't feeling nervous at all and now I'm just like oh my god oh my god I'm gonna to talk to a stranger oh
2: you no know, we could just sell up by a bigger camper and go traveling around and my husband he's a taxi driver and he's always been saying in you know when I get to 60 that's it I've had enough and I want to go travel we will you know we'll buy a van We'll sell the house. And we just, I don't know, we just ended up getting so this That's what we're going to do. We want to sell the house and, and just go travelling. So then lockdown happened. Did up the old house and the garden, as you did, everybody did, because they were just stuck in with nothing to do. Yeah. So my garden and my house and all the fences in the garden, it all looked the best it had ever done. So we were like, you know, we might as well sell. Our other daughter moved out. Also, Covid made you, like, think, you just don't know what's out corner. You don't know how long you got left. We need to live life now while we can, sort of thing. So that that totally. that sort of then pushed it, and then what pushed it even more was the house prices rocketed, and they were selling like hotcakes. We were like, right, let's do it, and we did it, and it and it sold within a day and a half.
1: Amazing. I was so anxious and scared back then that I didn't even want to go anywhere on my own in my van, as you will now hear in the very first bonus episode, Walking in the Dark on Dartmoor. I'm currently sat in my van on Dartmoor. I'm gonna go for a walk and try not to imagine that there's a serial killer waiting for me. There's loads of sheep out there. They're responsible for some of the noises I can hear. So I think I just need to put my big girl pants on and go outside. Okay, here we go. There's something in front of me, but I can't see what it is. I do think it's a sheep. Oh my God, what is that? staying here. They're probably really confused right now, what I'm doing. I can definitely see a sheep. Yeah, it's running away. I'm starting to think I might be the scariest thing up here. (laughs) From where I am right now, I can see for miles and miles, I can hear a church bell. Wow, that's kind of spooky. I like it though. My torch ran out of battery, so I don't have any light anymore, but I am coping very well. I'm actually feeling really happy. Ah, home sweet home. Brilliant. That was nice, I enjoyed that. And I didn't get murdered, which is quite good. (sighs) Okay, so I've just woken up. I decided to move my van just up the road so I could see the view. Last night when I left, I was looking at my diesel levels and I had quite a lot above empty. But I noticed that the needle was just kind of dancing around like mad and I just thought, oh... I'm sure it'll be fine. This morning, as I've driven up the hill, it just stopped. Okay, it looks like I've run out of diesel. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Sorry, it's just, it's just kind of sinking in. Yeah, but I mean, I live here now, I guess. <laughs> this is where I live now. So, <laughs> oh dear. I'm going to call the breakdown company that I'm with and see if they can help me. But the thing is, I don't know where I am. That's the problem. I don't, like, this isn't, I do have 4G, so that is a really good thing. (gasps) Okay, where's my location? Here we go. Got it.
3: Thanks for calling the Breakdown and Accident Helpline. If you've been involved in a road traffic collision with another vehicle, press 1. To tell us about a breakdown or problem with your vehicle for the first time,
4: press 2. Hello,
1: are you food? How can I help? Oh, hello there. I seem to have run out of diesel and I am in the middle of nowhere, and I was wondering if you could help
4: me. You're in the middle of nowhere.
1: Well, I mean, I'm being a bit dramatic. I've got my coordinates, if that helps.
4: What's your location then?
1: Right, let me just grab the coordinates for you. Okay,
4: Catherine, I'm just going to pop you on hold for just a moment while I sort that out
1: for you, okay? Oh, yeah, I like this hold music. <laughs> Woo! Come on, come on! Loving the delay on that clap. Oh, it's gone a bit jazzy now. Oh, hey! Hi
2: Catherine, thank you for we'll all We will try and be with you hopefully within ninety minutes. That's okay. great. Thank you. Bye
1: bye. Bye. Hooray! <laughs> I'm so happy. Woo! This is great, I'm really enjoying myself. So, hot take guys on phones. If you haven't got one, I would highly recommend getting yourself a smartphone. No, you're welcome, honestly. Oh, this is so exciting! (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna have my breakfast. Here he is, look! Okay, right. I've made it to Yelverton, it's all good. So I filled up my tank and now I'm ready to go home, so yeah, what a mad morning. (laughs) Next up, we have Jodie. Now, talking to Jodie was inspirational in many ways for me. It was brilliant to talk to someone who was my age and had a similar outlook on life. But the best thing about talking to Jodie was she told me all about a certain house in a certain country that led to a very spontaneous trip. Hello Jodie, I just want to start by saying I'm really excited to talk to you because when you sent me your email with the questionnaire with all your answers I was absolutely like delighted I was like oh my goodness you need to tell me how you got your house in Bulgaria you need to tell me all about Portugal
5: yeah yeah it's funny isn't it because you know you just kind of live your life and you don't really recognize it as being anything inspirational or like you know anything out of the ordinary and it's only kind of other people's reactions that make you go oh yeah like i guess i am living a little bit differently to what's expected of people
1: tell me about your house in bulgaria then what how did that
5: yeah so it's quite a funny story so um so I literally googled on the internet, I was just like typed in cheapest place in the world to buy house and um, Bulgaria came up as, as an option that seemed like the most feasible like ge- geographically um, and, I, and I saw that you could like buy houses for like you know like five grand um, and I'd never been to Bulgaria before but um, anyway I went to Norway for a year and I just like worked and I saved as much money as possible which you know I left Norway with about I don't know like 12 grand or whatever and just got in a car and drove to Bulgaria and uh, and yeah it turns out you can just buy a house in Bulgaria for like five grand so that's what I did. <laughs>
1: I started this podcast because I wanted to conquer my fear of traveling alone in a van by connecting with people that also had done similar things. I knew that by talking to people about their travels, I would learn some interesting new things about van life and about the world in general. But what I didn't know is that it would lead me to begin a journey across Europe. I am going to attempt to drive 2,000 miles across France, Germany, Austria, Hungary, and Romania to Bulgaria to buy a house. (laughs) I'm actually leaving tonight. I don't know how long it's gonna take or if I will make it, but the point is I'm giving it a go. The longest I've ever driven before is Plymouth to London, which is about 250 miles. Right, we've set off it looks like we're sailing right into a storm basically um which is a great metaphor for this trip (laughs) because i'm just driving into a pandemic so i suppose it's appropriate really i am not happy with my decision right now (laughs) to do this france is going into lockdown tomorrow (laughs) Here I go! Oh my god, here we go! Right hand side, right hand side, stay on the right hand side, right hand side, stay on the right hand side I've just had to come off the motorway because one of my windscreen wipers just flew off (laughs) And now I've only got one windscreen wiper I just feel like I can't do this. I'm just at the very beginning of my journey and I just feel like (laughs) I can't do it. Dear Lord above, I should have realised that as soon as that fucking guy opened the back of my van, I should have just fucking left. How do I put this? Guess who came back? So he came back, come up to my window, and for some reason, I decided to open the window and ask him what he wanted. And he fucking looked in, and he asked me a question. I don't understand what he's saying, so I tried to say that I don't understand. He then puts his hand into my car and goes right for my tits, and I grab his hand and push it away, and then... Guess what this gentleman does? This absolute superstar, guess what he does? He pulls out a condom out of his pocket and he looks at me like, what do you think? I'm sorry, what? Disgusting, absolutely disgusting. So I just stayed calm and I just looked him right in the eye and I just said, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, and his eyes—like I made direct eye contact with him, and it was enough to make me puke. Honestly, I feel sick now. Actually, I feel sick. A fucking asshole truck driver! I was like right up my ass for like probably about half an hour. Just like, what the fuck do they want me to do? Like I can't move out of the way. I really wanted to capture this magical van life moment I'm at the border of Romania It's 6.20am I've been awake since 20 past 2 this morning I woke up and I could hear something It sounded like moving around First I thought it was like a big moth or a fly or something like that Then I realised it was more like a scrabbling noise, like, so it was something quite big. So I turned the light on and I see a mouse crawling along my bed. (laughs) And I lost my shit. I jumped out of bed and I started screaming, get out, get out. I opened the door and got my broom and started bashing the wall and like trying to scare it out basically now i'm in romania it is sketchy as fuck the roads are so dangerous oh my god it's crazy so for example People just undertake you at slip roads. People are like overtaking in the opposite roads and like going back into traffic just in time. There's like animals walking around on the road. I turned one corner and there was a road maintenance guy. I'm not exaggerating. He was stood about three meters into my lane basically in the middle of the road, just stood there kind of thoughtfully looking down at his leaf blower, just in his own little world. I had to swerve to avoid killing him. I am never driving here again. When I get to Bulgaria, I am not driving back this way. I just really hope that this isn't the last recording I ever do. Okay. Well, what can I say? It's now 10 in the morning. I've just driven on the road of death and I survived, so that's good. I am feeling more confident than I was yesterday, but it has been so difficult. Until I reach my final destination in Bulgaria, I've got about three hours and five minutes. Pretty close now to my goal, so wish me luck. so fucking tired right now <laughs> there's loads of trucks here uh, i if i never see another truck again i'll be happy honestly okay i think i'm passing okay here we go we're getting there now oh, i can't believe it
0: oh my god <laughs> You were the best. Ah, Bulgaria! Ah! I'm so happy. I can't believe it.
1: One of my favourite things about doing this podcast was speaking to so many incredible businesswomen and one of my favourites was Jess. She was so inspiring and her positivity was something that really rubbed off on me. Here is Jess talking about some of the highlights from when she drove all the way to Granada in Spain. So did you have any standout moments in that three weeks that you'd like to share? Oh standout moments, well it was amazing.
6: Like it was definitely, well, it was definitely a life-changing experience because obviously now I have paid actual money for a new van. I fell in love with it that much. Spent about five days in this car park on a French beach in near Mm Biarritz, which was just perfect. It was like in sand dunes. It had good internet signal for work. It was, you know, right on the sea. I woke up every morning, went in, swam, came back, did work all of those things. And that was a really nice break because all of the other places I kind of stayed for only like a day and then had to kind of drive again or or work and move on. But that place I really did spend a slightly more time. If I do, you know, well, when I do trips like that, again, definitely want to spend longer in each of the places because I had the, the wedding as a definite date to be in Granada. And I wanted to arrive a couple of days early just so I wasn't, you know, panicking about stuff. I did feel like I had to rush it a bit but otherwise yeah that was really good even in Spain you know parking on the outskirts of cities and then getting the public transport into the cities as well to have a look around them that was really nice because it was kind of like oh people they exist (laughs) because I had a very you know relaxed and nature-based trip I didn't stay in any campsites or anything I was always you know uh wild camping in the van so most of the time I was in places on my own or there was maybe only like one or two other vans there, which was nice um, because I wanted that kind of level of solitude, but it was definitely nice to go into cities and be like, okay, people exist. They're still here.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? Like um, how it's so exciting to see people again after you've been in this box just all by yourself for like days on end. And then you're like, Oh look, there's people. This is really exciting. Um, so um what how did you find wild camping? <laughs> really good. Um I only
6: had three experiences where like my mind went into crazy overdrive. I mean I think as a woman there is a level of overdrive which you're kind of, you know, always in in a van, but only three times did I go like a bit over the edge and one of them was in the mountains in the Sierra Nevada desert when like I was on my own in this area and then like this other car came and I just was like hyper alert, hyper vigilant and kind of just like staring out my curtains in the darkness at them. And then in the end I was just like, oh, I'm tired, I'm going to bed. But you know, I survived that, so that was good. (laughs) And then the second one, um, I always like to arrive where I'm going to be like camping up for the night before it gets dark, obviously like safety reasons, but, the sunset was just too beautiful on this one day <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up not getting <clears throat> to where I wanted to park until after the sun had set and again this was in like a small Spanish village and then the place I had looked at going suddenly I got there and I think there was like a no camping sign or something and I was like oh that's really annoying now I'm gonna have to find somewhere else where can I find and then I saw that there was this big like open concrete place uh, on the map And so I thought, okay, let me go park there. It's either gonna be really nice or really dodgy, but whatever, it's dark. And so I went there and it was absolutely pitch black, no lights. And so I thought, okay, either the view is gonna be amazing in the morning because it's so pitch black and there's no light pollution, or it's gonna be like a brick wall, but who (laughs) knows, let's see when I wake up in the morning. And then clearly it was a place where teenagers on motorbikes come and hang out at night. And I was like, oh, like, this is really annoying. And they got very close to the van. Like, they kind of were looking in the windows in the front. And at that point, I was like, let me go and check that I locked all the doors. And it turns out I didn't lock one of the doors. And I was like, oh, my God, like, lock immediately. And I was like, oh, thank God. But eventually, again, they left. And I woke up in the morning. And I just opened the curtain to see, is this the terrible view? Or is this the beautiful view? And it was, like, the most beautiful view of olive fields and Spanish countryside with the sun coming up it was really nice greens and goldens and browns and I was like whoa like I was not expecting this to be so beautiful and I got out of my my van because you know there's not much space in there and I was brushing my teeth and then a man in a high-vis jacket walked up to me and he was like madam we're having our Friday morning market and you're camped in the market uh, can you please leave? so I was like brushing my teeth and then I turned around and I saw this like entire grocery and clothing market set up behind me and I was like well this is all good I was like yeah I will just finish brushing my teeth and then I will leave
1: now VFFs seems to bring some of my guests luck next you will hear from Catherine a Van Fan I interviewed and from Jean my mother They both had a stroke of luck after being on the podcast.
7: I would just absolutely love to get a bigger van now, something I can stand up in, and I would love, love, love to move into it and go full-time for a few years. You know, I'm 25 now, so I think if I'm going to do something a bit crazy and remote, I'd love to do it now where I've still got so much time and youth. You know, I don't want to wait 10 years and then be debating over a van or a baby or something like that. And I don't know whether it's because van prices have sort of been have risen a lot lately or whether there's not as much around because I know you know obviously a lot of car manufacturers haven't been able to produce as many vans and maybe that's had like a filter down effect for delivery drivers and etc and and secondhand vans on the market but honestly I have religiously (laughs) been checking selling sites like every day for the last six months and just not found A van that is suitable or i've just not felt that connection hey cat guess where i am i'm in my new van i can't believe it i think you must be some kind of lucky charm because i can't believe how long i was looking and then a few days after i speak to you for the podcast I find the perfect van and I can't believe it. I'm so stoked. It's a 2014 Vauxhall Movano, medium wheelbase, extra high top, which is pretty cool. And it's bright blue, which is awesome. And it was completely within my budget. Well, just, (laughs) Um, so I'm so, so happy. And I'm basically just
4: dancing around
7: in the back. And there's people looking at me like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> so they're laughing at me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop being super awkward and let you go. But I'm so excited. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.
1: Now this is a sad part of the story. I want to ask you to tell our listeners what happened to your van?
8: Unfortunately, my van died. I was waiting at some traffic lights one day and they took such a long time changing. And I know some traffic lights, if you reverse backwards, you go over a trap and it changes the lights. So I shot backwards because there was nobody behind me in my head, but there was actually somebody behind me. So I reversed straight back into this car and crushed through the whole
1: back of the van, which was fibreglass. So So it it didn't die, it was murdered. It was murdered. (laughs) It was murdered. Station me at a traffic light, you just reversed into someone and and wrote off your van.
8: At speed. At
1: yes. speed. <laughs> the annoying thing was it didn't do anything to their car. How embarrassing as well to have to tell it people. Oh, this like... bloke got out the car and said, What are you, Jeff, do- are you doing? Like, I
8: was just going to say, I was reversed into trying to change the lights, I thought I'd better not say that.
1: I was trying to communicate with the traffic lights. <laughs>
8: So I just said, I'm sorry, I I thought I was in first gear. (laughs) Oh my goodness, oh that's so sad, I remember that. I thought, oh if I can get the money for the insurance, I can maybe fix it, but... They decided it was a write-off, so I investigated. I could get a new door, I could get somebody to repair it, but it would cost more than the insurance company were going to give me, and that would have been it then. I had no money left for the MOT that was coming up and all that sorts of stuff. Uh, I took a film of it when they came to tow it away, the breakers yard. So off it went. I cried when it went down the hill.
1: Hi, Mum. So, what's been happening?
8: Hi, darling. Well, you'll never guess what happened when I was listening to your podcast about my trip to France, really, it was. And it started, the memories flowing, and I started feeling really sad about the van and all the rest of it. And I just went online to see if there was anything I was just put in Roma Home in the search engine, because I knew I wouldn't be able to afford it. But I looked thought i have a look around, and I went on to Gumtree, and there was this Roma home on there, and I thought, oh, my God, that's my Roma home, and that, don't be silly. It can't be your Roma home. There's hundreds of the things on it, and I went into the advert, and it is my Roma home, so I rang the man. It was it was lovely. I rang him up, and I said, look, I've got to trust you because I'm miles and miles away, and I, I don't want to buy a pig in the poke. and No things can be wrong. But this was my van, and I, I wanted to... Oh, Catherine, I'm sorry, I'm getting all emotional. I said, this is my van, and it's important to me to get it back again. I said, you might think it's really silly, but this van meant a lot to me. And... You've got it for sale, and I can just about afford to buy it. Anyway, um, we're in the middle of a lockdown, so I don't actually know what's going to happen. But I've paid the guy deposit on it. He's promised me it's okay. He says that his brother in law's had it for the past two years, and he's only used it to take leather belts around festivals and sell, it on fe- sell them from festivals and things like that. And it looks brilliant. It's got a new bonnet. It's got new doors. The back end, from what I can see, which was what was damaged and what wrote it off before, looks fine. it looks, it looks great cat.:
1: Oh wow, that's fantastic. So has it done much mileage since you've had it?:
8: No No, five thousand miles since I had it, and that's five years.
1: That what a crazy coincidence. 5,
8: miles. I'm so excited, cat I can't believe it.
1: Oh well, congratulations.
8: Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: And I'm really looking forward to traveling Convoy. Okay, so today I'm telling you guys about Fetcher Chocolates. Fetcher Chocolates is an independent female-owned business that sells luxury handmade vegan chocolate. I've been eating vegan chocolate for years and nothing comes close to Fetcher Chocolates. It tastes amazing and it looks beautiful. It really is the perfect gift for special occasions and something that everyone can enjoy. It's dairy, gluten and soy free, so great for allergy sufferers, but also for anyone. I mean, this chocolate is so good. You don't have to be vegan to enjoy it. There are classic flavors such as milk chocolate mousse and golden salted caramel. I loved the Blackberry Mousse Bar with homemade bramble jelly and real blackberries. I'm definitely going to be getting that one again. It smelt incredible and it tasted so good. When I received my order, I was really impressed with the beautiful presentation. The colours are brown and black with a really classy gold logo and the packaging can all be recycled as paper, so no plastic in sight. Fetcher also plants trees to offset the packaging so it's an eco-friendly choice as well. When I want to buy a friend a beautiful, delicious gift, I just go to Fetcherchocolates.com and I get them a gorgeous gift that they will love. Fetch Your Chocolates are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off with promo code VFF. Enter promo code VFF at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your order. Yep, that's 10% off. So go on, go to FetchYourChocolates.com and get that chocolate in your life. You will not regret it. We love pets in vans at VFFs, and one of the things I love to talk about is van lifers' furry friends. Now, I had some very unusual pet guests on this podcast. Here is Ben Frey and Dargo from Catavan UK, and Lizzie with her little guinea pig
7: Basil. She's practically a dog. It's fantastic. She likes to go for walks. As we discovered she plays fetch she played fetch from a very young age if she could bark she would practically be a guard dog i think yeah Yeah.
1: so does dargo like van life then um i think she does now
4: yeah we um we kind of warmed her up to the idea of it before we went yeah um So we take her out for drives in uh, the car we had at the time. Mm. uh, And she was a little bit understandably terrified because you put her in a big metal box, shakes and makes noise and everything's moving fast past it. She didn't quite know what was going on. Then she kind of warmed up, started to relax a bit. And by the time we actually left on the trip, she was pretty comfortable in there. She had her own little uh, hiding corner. She was go and sit in the corner. But then she started coming out, sitting on the beds. And then yeah. it was only after a couple of months on the road. Whenever we come on, on motorway, she'd go and have a sleep. Mm-hmm. But then when she felt the van going slower, she'd come up to the front, sit on the passenger's lap and start looking out of the window. We have bits of a driving past uh, farms and down dirt tracks in Greece where the window's open and she's, like, back to being like a dog. <laughs> Paws on the windowsill, sort of sticking her head out of the window, looking at what's going on. And then whenever we pulled up, she's always eager. We put, because we've got a harness for her, we attach the lead onto her. So we'll go out and she'll just go around sniffing everything, r- yeah. rubbing her face on whatever she can. I think she really came to enjoy it. As
1: much as we did, I think. So who lives in your van with you, Lizzie?
9: Yeah, so it's me and my guinea pig, Basil. Um, So I had two guinea pigs before I moved into the van and I just could not face giving them up. (laughs) I haven't seen anyone else have a guinea pig in a van yet. I've seen lots of cats and dogs and I've seen one rabbit, but I have a feeling he might be the first van guinea pig. Um, Oh, amazing. (laughs) the whole van is planned around them I have a ridiculously high sofa so that they can have a double level hutch so that they're not compromised it's my decision to live in a van so if I'm living in a tiny space that's fine but I'm not going to give them a tinier space because that's not fair but yeah one of them unfortunately died in the summer um, actually when we were staying in a house rather than a van <laughs> so oh, no. um, that was really unfortunate but yeah so now it's me and Basil and he's actually doing really well on his own which is surprising guinea pigs usually don't do very well on their own but I think because I've been working from Van um, this year, like he's never on his own and he, he gets cuddled constantly throughout the day so we very much keep each other going I think.
1: <laughs> oh and um, how does he find the motion of the van when it's in motion is he comfortable?
9: Yeah so when I first got it I'd put him in like one of those little carry cases he used to take animals to the vet and put it on the passenger seat and I looked mad, I looked like I was putting like baby seats in the front or something um, <laughs> but they really didn't like it now I just leave them in the hutch, in the back and they kind of they know to just sit in their little cozy hay boxes and they find it fine yeah doesn't seem to be bothered at all isn't bothered by the noise or anything the only thing that's ever slightly worrying is, is temperature and um, so I just have to kind of keep an eye on not letting it get too cold or too hot but yeah he's, he's a very well traveled little pig <laughs>
1: One of the most popular subjects for camper vans at VFFs is micro campers. I love talking to people about micro campers. I used to have one myself, and there's something super special about having a tiny little van which you can use to go traveling far and wide. Let's hear from Nikki, who full-timed in a tiny Fiat Doblo and a Citroen Nemo. Go look it up, it's so small and Georgie, who full-timed in a tiny Daihatsu X-Doll. Incredible. I used to have a micro-camper, and um, it just blows my mind to think of being full-time in that space. It's like, wow, what what did your friends think?
10: Um, I think they thought I was a little bit mad. I did, (laughs) so when I first moved into the van full-time, I was sort of chatting to a few mates at work, and it got round to my boss, and then... It, anyway it got round to hr so i ended up having this weird meeting where like hr called me in and we like we just need to double check you're living in your van I'm like yes I'm like and that's through choice <laughs> <laughs> like, yes it's okay you don't need to like have a talk about like finding housing i'm happy like this um but yeah it was it was nice it was just very weird um yeah
1: oh my goodness why did you make the decision to move into a van?
10: So I'd had, like, I dated a guy who'd had a van and he used to, like, sleep in it every now and again if it was just easier to. So I ended up leaving my job and ended up moving back in with my parents. And I got a job, but it was, like, a 50-mile round trip away. So I quite like the idea of a van for, like, weekends away and stuff. I was just like, well, if I get it, then what I can do is just sort of drive to work, steer there for the three, four days I'm working, and then come back to my parents and it gives me some some space and obviously saves some fuel. So I was like, great, I'll do that. And then just absolutely loved it. And yeah, (laughs) I found it nicer staying in the van than at my parents, which is like nothing wrong with my parents, but I just quite like my own space, I guess.
3: As
1: soon as I moved into my van, I just, even though it's, it's such a small space, I just had this sense of freedom. And it was just incredible to do that and be able to camp and be wild camping and have my gym membership and go to work in the morning, have a shower at the gym before work. And it just worked out really well. And actually in Plymouth, because my job I worked right in, in Plymouth, it's so easy to get from some beautiful places on Dartmoor to Plymouth in half an hour. Just a really short drive. So it was amazing for me one thing about the van life community is you will find when you're at your lowest the kindness of strangers is really important let's hear from lee and willow from the combi chronicles about one of those magic moments when they were traveling through the us and mexico in their vw camper van what was your favorite moment from your time in the us
3: I'm gonna say when our windscreen completely exploded on the i10 it
7: sounds like an odd thing to pick yeah <laughs> uh, uh
3: we were driving um from Florida to Louisiana to go to New Orleans and out of nowhere our windscreen completely shattered with that wasn't
1: um it wasn't laminated, you know. That you know they should have the plastic on them to stop them all falling apart if they break, and ours wasn't. So it just exploded, and was literally about to just f- fall, fall in into the camper in like bits.
3: And it was like Friday. We pulled over on the rest area, and we spent ages trying to find a replacement, and we were getting nowhere. We and all of a sudden we heard like a an air-cooled car pull up next to us, and they looked out the curtain, and there's this. VW and this young couple get out. A guy comes over and with a slight American accent, he went, Bloody hell, what's going on here? (laughs) And it turned out he was from Telford, like an hour down the road from where we lived in Birmingham. (laughs) And he moved to America to be with his dad like 10 years prior. And Sam worked with VWs, broke VWs. And he was like, Oh, I've just broke a VW. I think they've got a spare. And he happened to fit
5: windscreens. Yeah.
3: And he phoned someone, was like, Yep. I can get a v- I can get a window in an hour. So he drove off, came back an hour later. It's now like nine o'clock on a Friday on a rest area. He swapped it for us, and we asked him, "Do you want? Can we give you any money?" He was like, "No, no, it's fine." And then he was like, "My uh, VW Club are having a, a Thanksgiving like camping session in a national park like down the road. Do you guys want to join us?" And we were like, "Yeah, that sounds amazing." So we like went from having a broken window and potentially sleeping on a rest area, to meeting a load of other VW enthusiasts, meeting Sam's dad.
1: And the guy who gave us the free windscreen was
3: there. Yeah, we we made loads of new friends. So it was really like a turnaround. And for me, I think that would be one of my best memories.
1: My final clip for you guys was from the last episode. That's right. It turns out that there are men in bands as well. I spoke to my good friend Gavin and we had a great conversation and played some music together.
11: Good afternoon. Well, welcome,
1: Gavin, to VFF. Thanks for welcome. coming on.
11: I am welcoming you to my van space <laughs> where I live in luxury with my wood burner.
1: I forgot how much of a performer you are. I was like, oh, he's been pretty laid back and tired. I don't know if he's up for this. And then as soon as the spotlight comes on, you're like, yes, welcome to my okay. van.
11: Fantastic.
1: I haven't seen the Gavin the performer for ages because we haven't been able to yeah. perform. I forgot I you're just like me. You just want attention.
11: Who is that? I'm a, rather a bit of a whore for the old attention. Well, I suppose that's I was a, I am who you are. the younger brother, you see. Oh, that's it. He's so the baby, that's the
1: problem, yeah.
11: Yeah, you know, he came out and was all like, yeah, yeah, I'm the boss. And then I came out and I'm... Well, they like. wanted a girl. My grandmother thought I was going to be a girl, so she made dresses for me. So I was actually... <laughs> first years of my life, I wore dresses.
0: No, you didn't. That
11: explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, anyway, so basically, tension-seating, van-dwelling <laughs> musicians, okay. Okay. living the life of Riley. We're just gonna do this spo- it's spontaneous, like life, like breathing. Spontaneous, comes yeah.
1: Jazz cats forever! Okay. Yeah. Why don't you come on over, Valerie? <laughs> am, I, am I gonna get sued if I do this?
11: What do you just um have you got any original songs
1: and I can just I can't the words oh
0: yeah I wish I did we had never met but you're not easy to force. Gone. guess life's not fair for everyone But now's the time for me to say goodbye It's time for me
1: I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of my wonderful guests for coming onto BFF's Van Life podcast, telling me all about their lives and giving me so much wisdom along the way. I cannot wait for season two and to talk to more awesome van lifers. In the meantime, enjoy your summer and I'll speak to you in September. Bye! Thanks for listening to VFF's Van Life Podcast. I will be back in September for season two with amazing guests, awesome products and some exciting van life event coverage as well. Please rate VFF's Van Life Podcast five stars on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram at VFF's Van Life Podcast. And if you want to write to me, it's VFF's podcast at gmail.com.
0: I've got to go outside I've got to go